Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. For the years that I pastored, I had two extremes. One group that wanted more praise and worship, and another group said, we don't need praise and worship. Go right into the Word of God. What good is praise and worship? I ask you this question. What good is plowing the ground before you plant the seed? That's the importance of worship, preparing all those hearts for the things of God. And we're going to talk about praise and worship in the church service from Psalm 150. Open up your hearts, and let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hi, and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It's great to have you here today. I pastored for 33 years, had the time of my life, only I'm having a better time now, but uh, now that I've stepped down and uh, getting to do this and visit schools and teach in schools and all that. But one thing I really enjoyed was watching praise and worship and really how much it set the pace in the church. I was not a big one for praise and worship before the time I became a pastor, although I like praise and worship, but to see the difference it made in the people, I, I this is the best thing I can say. You can have, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 2,000, 50 people come in. And if there's 50 people, their minds are in 50 different directions. Praise and worship is like that magnet that you put out there and all of a sudden all the compasses point in that direction. It lines people up and gets them prepared for the word of God. And I was on a television program one time and the guy was asking me because he was not a praise and worship guy, didn't even like praise and worship, didn't appreciate it, thought it was kind of useless and all that. And he asked me, he said, you're a pastor. He said, I don't believe in praise and worship. I said, well, I do. He said, why do you believe in praise and worship? I said, well, why plow the ground before you plant the seed? He stopped and thought, stop. Well, I guess you have to. I said, of course, that's what praise and worship does. It plows the hard ground of people's hearts who come in. And for the week before that, three days before that, you know, they might've come to midweek service, but anyway, they're come to church and their minds are on this and on that. They came to church and all these people pointing in different directions, but plowing it just makes the ground soft. It opens it up for the seed of the word of God. And I said, I prefer to teach after great praise and worship than to teach without praise and worship. Although we can do it. And I I do it in classes and stuff where there is no praise and worship. We just start right into the word of God. But uh, we're going to talk about praise in church today. There's praise in your personal life. And, you know, there's praise you might be doing in your car or with a few group of people, you know, maybe. But to praise in church with the congregation is something that predates the church and goes all the way back to the Old Testament. There's always been a reason for great praise and worship. And of course, David had a heart toward God in praise and worship. So turn with me to Psalm 150. We're gonna take a look at the entire Psalm. There's only six verses. While you're finding that, what I'm gonna be teaching around, I've got this on a CD. It's called Praise Ye the Lord. And again, I'm gonna be taking a section of this and talking about praise in the church service and why it is so important. Praise in church is not to be taken. And that's the only time you praise the Lord. It should be a part of your praise life. Uh, praising the Lord while you're taking a shower. Praise the Lord while you're driving your car. It's something that can be done at almost all times, and we'll be taking that up from this particular uh, psalm. This is the uh, the product I'm offering today, and again, it'll take you beyond what I'm teaching today so that you can understand, again, the importance of praise in your life. Heaven will be filled with praise, loud praise. In fact, uh, when John was there in the book of Revelation, he talked about how loud it was in heaven and called it the sound of many waters. In other words, it'll be like standing at the bottom of Niagara Falls to be in heaven with all the praise and worship 
fellowship conversations going on to where almost you have to have people yell at you right next to your head right here to hear what they have to say. And this is what heaven's going to be like. And so for all of you who complain that praise and worship may be too loud in your church, and there's times it is too loud. I'll admit that I've been in some church services where I thought you could just turn the volume down a little bit and it was actually amplified. But again, the importance of praise and worship, filling the auditorium and you joining in with hundreds and hundreds of other voices is so important and something you don't get when you're, you know, by yourself. Perhaps when you play a, you know, CD in the car or a flash drive of praise and worship and you join in, it helps. It helps to disguise your voice if you're not that good. And I know when I sing in the shower, it makes me sound a whole lot better than when I do when I'm not in the shower. So let's talk about praise in church. In Psalm 150, this is the last psalm in there, dedicated to praising God in the church. This is what it's mainly about. In verses one through six, what it simply says is praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him under the heavens mighty. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sounds. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's summarize this. What is this verse saying? It says, praise the Lord inside and outside of the church. Praise him for his works. Praise him for who he is. Praise him with wind instruments, stringed instruments, and percussion. Finally and greatest, God's people should praise him a cappella with only their breath. I think this is so great to talk about this because this is basically what happens in a church service, although he does start out talking about that we can praise God under his mighty heavens. But as far as God is concerned, even the heavens above us form a church in itself and we'll be praising God forever in heaven with heavens above us there. And so again, it comes back to it that this is basically what goes on within a church service. Praise unites believers with creation, anticipating redemption. Psalm 69 and verse 34 says this, let the heavens and the earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. Of course, this is what the word of God has to say because nature around us praises God even though they are under a temporary curse. In other words, they look past the curse that's on them that Adam put on them and they're still able to praise God and all of creation does this. Psalm 89 and verse 5 says this, the heavens shall praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 23 says this, we groan with nature, looking forward to our redemption at the rapture and nature at the second coming. What this verse is saying in Romans chapter 8 is this, is that nature is not only groaning and travailing, but also praising God. We also groan and travail because we're under the same curse they are. When Adam sinned and Eve sinned in the garden, there was a curse that went through the ground and everything made out of ground received the curse, which means just about everything, every crop, every tree, every animal, and man's body itself 
came from the dust of the ground. And therefore, because of that, we groan under the labor and the pain of the situations we go through. Nature groans and travails because of the situation they are under. And that includes everything from tornadoes and hurricanes to earthquakes and bad weather and all the different things that happen in this earth. And nature is going through each one of these, knowing that every one of the earthquakes that occur, every time there's a tornado or hurricane that comes, they are one tornado, one hurricane closer to the coming of the Lord, and which at that time the earth will be released from the bondage of corruption that they are under, and they will break forth into the same glorious liberty as the children of God. We will be returning back with the Lord Jesus at that time. We'll be praising God from heaven as we come down, and the earth will be praising God as we are coming down, as we will meet together. I think basically what the word of God is saying is we'll form an antiphonal that the church coming back with the Lord and all those saints coming back with the Lord in resurrection bodies will also be met with praise and worship coming from the earth and all of creation itself as we are singing together in an antiphonal that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is brought out in Revelation chapter 19 and many other verses of the Old Testament telling us that we will praise God as the church, as the redeemed coming back with him while the earth itself and creation is praising God. Why do we praise the Lord? Well, first of all, it's beneficial for our personal lives. You know, there's times you can be down and despondent, but begin to praise God and his presence fills the car, his presence fills the room you're in and fills you. It's beneficial for our lives. Psalm 33 and verse one says this, shout for joy in the Lord, O righteous, praise is comely or befits is benefiting for the upright. In fact, one translation talks about it's like putting clothing on and praise is like putting a cloak on around you and it covers up the problems you have and brings you in the presence of God. Faith is, is required for praise. Praise is really an act of faith. It's the voice of faith before the answer is seen. In other words, I don't see the answer yet, but I'm praising God already, thanking him ahead of time that what I am believing him for is gonna to come to pass in my life. It settles our heart before we pray, before we study the word or go to work during the day. In other words, before something that we are, you know, know that we're going to be doing for a number of hours or something, it's great to praise God and realize at the end of that, I'm gonna learn something I'm gonna pray and learn something. I'm gonna study God's word and learn something. I'm gonna go to work and learn something. I'm gonna come back actually benefited at the end of the day and I'm praising God ahead of time that he's gonna to speak to me and he's gonna to talk to me and he's gonna show me. It's pleasing to God for us to willingly praise him. It sets an atmosphere around us of faith to hear the word of God and to bring healing into our life for anything we might need. Well, what about praise in church? That's us in private whenever we praise the Lord. But what about praise in the church service? Psalm 22 and verse 22 says this, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Psalm 35 and verse 18 says this, I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you among many people. And this means whether your congregation has 20, 30, 50, or thousands, it's great to come together and lift up our voices together in one praise, one adoration, one glorious sound coming to God and telling him how great he is, how much his presence has blessed us. We're thankful for the new birth. We're thankful for the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we're thankful for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's upon us. Only God's children can praise him. 
Psalm 115 verse 17 says, the dead do not praise the Lord. Now, this is not referring to those that have died in the Lord and are heaven because praise and worship goes on there. The dead is a reference to those who have not been born again. Jesus Christ is coming back one day for the living and the dead. The living are born again and the dead are not born again and they will be taken and they'll be cast into hell and eventually the lake of fire. But we will be in a place where there's praise and worship forever and ever. But the good news is why wait till then? Why not praise him now for the good things yet to come? Why not praise him now for the good things he has done? In essence, when we come to church with the problems of life, with the problems at the office, our problems of work, with our problems at home, with money, financial problems, health, no matter what it may be, we can begin to praise God and there's healing in praise. There's a whole attitude change that comes across us. And perhaps that's the simple thing that simply is the forerunner for us accepting that time of praise and accepting that God's answer is on the way in our life. In church, praise unites and turns our hearts in one direction toward the Lord. This is the beauty of what I said before, that praise just plows the ground so we can receive the seed of God's word. Music opens our heart to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that is so powerful and so important. And that's where we're going to take up when we come back after halftime, and we come back and talk more about praise and worship in church and the power of praise and worship in your personal life. See you in just a moment. In Psalm 150, the word praise is mentioned 14 times in six verses. Praise is imperative to your walk with God. This in-depth six-part Bible study will give you valuable insight into where God is to be praised, why God is to be praised, how God is to be praised, and who is to praise God. Understanding the dynamics of praise will change your whole outlook on your Christian life. Messages include New Testament praise, where is God to be praised, what to praise God for, how the Lord is to be praised, the sacrifice of our bones, who is to praise the Lord. To order Praise Ye the Lord, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I'm speaking on the subject of praise and worship, but especially praise and worship at a church service, but also the power of praise and worship in your own life. 
Again, you can have a congregation of 50, 100, so come in, or 1,000, and their hearts are all in different directions. You know, the kids have been crying in the car. Somebody got up late. Uh, the clothes that mom thought were clean or not clean, you know, breakfast wasn't quite ready. All the things that can happen, but they come to church, and there's just something about opening up for praise and worship that unites us all together and changes our attitude. Instead of thinking about the minor problems of life, we think about the major things God has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us in eternity yet to come. And as I pointed out, praise and worship takes and unites us all together and aims us in the same direction. So music opens up our heart to receive from God too. This is why it's important that we praise God before the service begins as far as the teaching of the word of God. And it just really presets everything for the word yet to come and prepares us for it. So music opens up our heart to receive from the word of God, but also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed this? That, you know, if you have uh, in your church, maybe a tongue is given an interpretation or a prophetic word comes, it's usually right after praise and worship. I mean, as praise and worship dies down and, and it gets starts to get quiet in there, it's almost like you anticipate God wants to say something because why? For the past 20 minutes of praise and worship, we have been glorifying God, telling me how great he is. And now he wants to come back and tell us what he's done for us and how important we are to his kingdom, how he loves us, how he's working out problems in our life. And it's amazing to me, after we've had a word from the Lord, I often ask the congregation, how many of you this morning even were on your way to church praying about this particular subject? And now the Holy Spirit has spoken to you from this word. And hands will go up at the congregation and said, see, it's not in vain. Because some of you might be saying, well, that didn't mean a thing to me. Well, it didn't mean a thing to you, but it did to a whole lot of other people. And then I'll ask them, how many of you have had that question on your heart for some time? And God answered that question for you this morning. And hands go up even more. So what happens? Well, again, music opens up our heart to receive the seed of the word of God that's yet to come, but also opens up our heart to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit can just flourish in a place that is filled with praise and worship unto God. I'm going to ask you a question. Think about this. I had a minister say one time who was teaching, and he wasn't that musical. He said, why do we call them keys? And I mean, I thought for a moment, what's he talking about? He said, in, in music, why is there a key of A, a key of A flat, B, B flat, C? Why do we have keys? Why do they call them keys? And I thought, well, I guess they opened something. That's exactly what he said. He said, you know, it might open up something. So I started talking to musicians about it. They said, well, I've never thought about it, just the key of this or the key of that. But you know what? Different keys do seemingly unlock certain things. One person told me one time, they said, to me, the key of A flat opens up and there's, there's peace attached to it. And other people say, well, not quite, but yes, I can see that. But anyway, that what they were saying was, it is perhaps that's why they're called keys because music has the ability to open up your heart and release things inside of you. Peace and joy, stability, gratitude, conviction, uh, an inability to speak for awe of God simply can come. There's be times you'll be worshiping God. You can't even say things. It's just there's this awe of God that comes over you. And I've seen this happen too. 
before the song, and we don't even know what song it's going to be, as the praise and worship leaders hit the first chord, hit the first thing, and the key that it's in suddenly opens up suddenly. You can feel the presence of God, and we haven't even got to the song itself. In other words, this is the heart of the individual coming through that, as well as the key the song is in. This is the thing that comes across with it. So again, we have music, and this is the power behind music. Perhaps when we get to heaven, we'll find keys that never existed down here, just like people who go to heaven say they've seen colors in heaven that don't even exist on earth, and the colors are by the hundreds of thousands in heaven that we don't even know about yet. So we can learn doctrine itself through singing. In fact, there's certain songs that teach us about the Word of God and the character of God. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, let the Word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it says here, the word of God can dwell in you. You can learn, you can be admonished through again, spiritual songs, hymns, and things that we sing. In fact, many many of the doctrines I know, whenever I hear something about that doctrine, it reminds me of a song I was raised on. Many times it's a, a hymn that we sang when I was very young, don't sing it anymore, but yet it comes back to me. And you know what it is? I remember every word of it. How amazing is that? Church praise teaches us to praise in life. And that's Psalm 150, verse 1, telling us that in our life in the church, outside the church, that church praise teaches us how to praise God outside the church. What we learn in church, we sing when we're you know, outside the church. And how many times have I been going down the road and find myself halfway into a song singing it, and I didn't even realize it. Something I learned in church that, wow, it was just so good. And it's one of those favorite songs that I have, favorite uh, hymns that I might have, or favorite praise and worship I might have, that literally my heart is open to hear from God. The next thing is, it's brought out in Psalm 150, is why do we have instruments in church? And people say, yeah, but you know, there's certain denominations that don't have any instruments in the church. They say, well, there's nothing in the New Testament about it. Well, that's because the the New Testament, there's so much in the New Testament just carries right over from the Old Testament. And on top of that, if you just leave it out in the church, we have it in the Old Testament, then you say, well, we don't have it in the New Testament, but we will have it in heaven. There will be instruments in heaven. And Jesus Christ even comes back at the rapture with the trumpet of God, as well as the singing and rejoicing of angels around him. So why do we have instruments in church? And the people say, well, there's nothing in the New Testament, but there really is things in the New Testament. We'll bring it out uh, in some verses. Praise and worship has not changed since the Old Testament, and it will be found in heaven. God intended Old Testament to give instruction for praise, especially the book of Psalms. And Psalms is quoted so often in the New Testament about doctrine. Why can't we use it to understand praise and worship in the Old Testament? Let's break it down in what what is being said there in Colossians. Psalms and hymns and uh, spiritual songs, things like that. What are Psalms? Well, Psalms are the Psalms themselves, but sung with instruments. And then hymns are psalms that were sung without instruments or sung a cappella. Again, at the closing of Psalm 150, it said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Well, that is songs that are sung a cappella. There's no need to have any instruments with it. Our voice is simply coming from us. Men make instruments, but God made the breath. And there's times when God says, just put those man-made instruments down and sing a cappella to me and just worship me with your own voice and let me hear the breath I put in you. 
coming out in the form of praise and worship unto me. That's brought out in Psalm 26 and verse 30, where Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn. And the hymn there, again, they sang without instruments. Of course, that is what would happen. This was at the time when they were taking communion together. And of course, you know, they would have no instruments with them. So they sung a song a cappella, and that's why it was called a hymn. Instruments are made by God to be used for his praise. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 7 and 8 talk about whenever a, a, you know, an instrument is used how, and they use it for war or whatever. I'm sure that Paul must have been, as he was teaching, pointing to the platform and pointing out that they might have had a flute or a harp or a trumpet up there and pointed to that, that this is why we have them in church. There may be times we go to war. And we're going to sing a song about how we're going to defeat the enemy through the, through the word of God and the faith in God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need some instruments to back that up because why? This is a song about actually doing spiritual warfare with Satan and his, and his uh, cohorts, all the demons, and coming out victorious on the other side. Let me say something else too here. I was at a church one time and the pastor said, uh, that they had a thing in their church. They called it drums and interpretation. I said, what are you talking about? He said, our drummer, he said, we're not sure this is even scriptural, but he plays the drum and then stops and waits for somebody to offer, you know, the interpretation of it. Well, listen to me very carefully. Instruments are not anointed, nor do instruments prophesy. It's the people who are playing the instrument that are anointed. And the instrument itself offers nothing spiritual as far as putting out the sound itself, but the people playing it, the anointing on them, they are the ones that are anointed. I had a friend of mine that used to be in a rock and roll band. And this is what he told me. He said, when I played rock and roll, he said, man, I, I played the you know, I played the guitar. He said, I can control masses of people. He said, I played some concerts that had two, 3,000 people there. I played it. I could sway the whole group of people. This was the power that was on the instrument. He said, and then one day as a Christian, he said, I've been pastoring for a number of years. I opened up and I came to the back of my closet and there was my guitar back there and there was my amplifier. He said, so I pulled them out and I hooked it back up and started playing. He said, I can still play the song. He said, you know what was missing? The anointing. The anointing I used to have to sway masses of people. He said, I suddenly realized there was no there was no anointing on that guitar. The anointing was on me when I was serving Satan and it was an evil anointing. Now I have God's anointing on me and that's the difference. People are anointed, not instruments. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into instruments, it comes into people. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon instruments, it comes upon people that play the instrument and therefore anointed praise and worship doesn't mean the instruments are anointed. It means the people have been praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues before the service began and when they got up, the presence of God that was on them came out through the praise and the worship. Praise should precede a sanctified life. Psalm 50 in verse 23 says this, whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him to orders his ways aright, I will show the salvation of God. So praise should precede a sanctified life and praise and worship simply displays to a congregation and displays to other people our life of sanctification unto God. In other words, it is a display of being full grown in the things of God. This is what God wants. A church service should begin with praise and worship. Psalm 95 and verse two says this, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him with psalms. Psalm 100 verse four says this, enter his gates 
with thanksgiving and then enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I usually recommend to praise and worship leaders who worked with me, although there may be times this isn't necessary, is the first songs we should be singing should be praise, thankfulness to God, and then move from there into worship. It precedes worship, although there's times that, again, there's nothing wrong with starting off with worship music itself. And finally, our personal life should be filled with praise and worship, not only in church, but in our personal life, Psalm 30 verses 11 and 12 says this, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh my God, I will sing praise to you forever. Habakkuk chapter three, verses 17 and 18 says, though the fig tree will not blossom and the fruit on the vine, the produce of the olive fall and the fields yield no food. The flocks will be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. What's your circumstances? Why don't you begin by lifting up your hands and worshiping God and watch that attitude change. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.